Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Tomorrow is opening day. This morning, then I have a great hunt. Deer didn't move like usual. Everybody's got set up in the middle of this bedding thicket. Um, saving this spot from the rut. It's a nice, I think it's a nice buck. It's a 170. That was money. I think he's down right over there through 10 yards. Woo! Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. Guys, you're in for it on this one. <laughs> my, uh, my brain took in so much intel... I had to take like seven, seven sheets of notes. Yeah, um, I sharpened a brand new number two pencil, down to about an inch and a half. Yeah, it's about the, it's about the. That's why I didn't say much. I didn't say much. Yeah, you didn't say much. You're just yeah, soaking it in. I was, man. It. Yeah, this guy, this guy runs more tram cramlers than I know anybody does, and we barely cracked the surface with this guy. We got to have him back on. I mean, just, just, just a one of those one of those podcasts you're gonna want to take some notes. I mean, I'm serious. This is this is good. This guy's got some some awesome tips for public. I mean, he's all public ground too. Yep. And he's super successful on giant deer. I mean, if you're thinking about running trail cams or you are running trail cams and you know you're new to it, definitely be paying attention. Yeah, I mean, this is a perfect time of year when people are getting out for velvet season to have this episode about trail cameras. I mean, whether you're on private or you're on public, there's some awesome knowledge in this. And and the <laughs> the freaking guy makes me want to hunt public only. Is yeah. it not you? I mean, he motivated me to hunt public only. I mean, he's just the the stuff he's saying in there, I mean, it just it just you're like, you know what? Screw the lease, screw the private ground. I'm going public. I want to make it work because I want to do me and 
it would ju- it'd just be so much more rewarding out there, I think. Yeah, and then, you know, just like when we're talking to Jeremiah, you know, just you, whatever you do, is it's going to be work. And, you know, public's going to be a little bit more work. You had to walk a little bit farther in the morning. You had to get your ass out of bed 20 minutes earlier because you got a farther walk. But when you get it done, it's just going to be that much better. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is this is one of my favorite episodes I think we've done. I mean, for, yeah, this, for, for this time period and knowledge, this is an absolute stellar episode. And like we said, there's... I had show notes for this, and we didn't even touch them. No, we scrapped that. I mean, it's just like we hit like three things, and then we—I mean, we didn't even have time because the guy is just such a, such a—he's so deep into running these trail cameras. While while we're on that, we just kept going and yeah, going. Well, I, you kept going and going. Yeah, I didn't going, even answer, I didn't even get all the questions that I wanted to ask. You know, because you know we try to. We try to make this podcast, you know, an hour, hour and a half. You know, that's what we feel like people want to listen to because we're podcast junkies, and that's what we kind of want to listen to, you know. And uh, but we're definitely going to have this guy back on. So just a, just a, a shout-out to the listeners. If there's any questions that you want to ask this guy when he comes back on and maybe just a few weeks if we can get him, um, sh- send us an email. Hit him with the email, homie. Yeah, white underscore legacy at Yahoo. Yeah, send um, it. I think they should know he's, you already said he's all public ground. In there, he already said he's running, what, 60, 70, 70 trail cams 70 between, trail his, cams between his, you know, two buddies. And he's hunting with a self-bow. Yeah, that's something we don't even cover in this episode. No, we did not even get into that. The guy is shooting stellar deer on public with a self-bow. Okay, we didn't even touch that in this episode because we didn't have time. You know, he's he's doing it like, as legit as you can get for bow hunting. God. And he's smashing monsters. You know, I just... Yeah. It's just... It's His just, wall looks really nice. Yeah, just <laughs> awesome. I mean, and and he dedic- he's saying a lot of it is, is these trail camps. And I could get what he's saying, you know. He said if there's a buck on that ground, he knows it. You know, I mean, but if you run 70 trail camp, but he's hunting a giant piece of public, too. Yeah. Which is, that's totally next level to us, too, because... We can't even relate to that. You know, he gets into that, and I can't even imagine. Like, you know, you buy you buy a truck camera. You okay? You have to have the camera. Well, you also need a memory card. I just can't wrap yeah, my head I had, around the I money had, he's got in memory cards. I had no, in my notes organization for cameras and memory cards. Like, because I mean, that's just a ton of of pictures and stuff that you need to organize per year you know and how do you get when you go hang 70 trail cameras how do you get that many to the, you know you got to have a system and that's something i wanted to how cover can you, how can you be like oh man dude you know number 37 is not giving a shit we need to move that one like where yeah he's got to have some organization he's got to have some organization and that was in my notes to cover you know because for someone running that track kind of trail camera i mean there's a lot of knowledge there so we we absolutely have to have this guy back on say i hang seven trail cams i know where seven trail cams are at i don't know where 70 i know at, you know what i'm saying that's 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 a lot man so. but yeah this guy makes me want to hunt 500 dollars in memory cards yeah this guy makes me want to hunt public you know he, but like <laughs> you said it was a year it was years of gaining trail cams you yeah know? Yeah. Years and years and years to get where he's Nothing at. Nothing happens overnight. And then he talks about why, you know, 
he's been keeping now he has so many because he bought some higher quality ones with a good warranty yeah and now he's able to keep that stock up you know instead of losing trail cameras so so yeah i mean if he, if he buys one he's got five years if it gets yeah. stolen whatever ants yeah, water sh- yeah shout out whatever. to exodus in this one he really yeah. makes me want to to go check and, them out do some research yeah check at, le- out, at least check them out check out some exodus trail cameras because they the way he's talking i didn't know half the stuff that he no, was saying you know no, i just and, thought that was like a, a mid a mid grade camera yeah. really is what i thought yeah they don't do a lot of promotion to where you could figure out you know kind of yeah. what they are and they're kind of new so i think this podcast is going to be something good for people to listen to to really figure out exodus trail cameras and they they're awesome absolutely the, awesome the, trail the pictures he sent us yeah the pictures are unreal. insane i mean unreal. buck mid scrape just perfect detail i mean that's might as well be 4k yeah that's that's hard to do but all right we got to get in our partners ingram's outdoor obsession you guys it's getting close to season and if you are coming to illinois or you are a listener in illinois and you want to get your buck mounted by the funniest the best friend, the rubber boot wearing master. <laughs> that guy does wear the shit yeah. out of rubber boots. You better check out Ingram's Outdoor Session. This guy is doing big things in the little shop. I'm telling you what. It's clean. It's clean. Clean shop. Clean work. Man, I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do a shout out for his wife on here. Because yes. she was putting in yes. work there. Yes. We that, haven't done that yet. That is key. I think that's something we need to do. When we were up there, her, his wife, him and his wife were a team, and his wife was putting in some solid work while we were there. Chris and Kendra. Yeah, Kendra. You're, Kendra. you're putting in some solid work. Shout out to you. Thank you for helping Chris out. Cause I'll pay Ingram $50 if she listens to this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if she's going to listen or not, but shout out to you, girl. Yeah. yeah. Check out Ingram's Outdoor Obsession. We hope to be doing some, some big stuff with them this coming fall. Um, helping him promote and uh, really letting people see what he can do, and and not making him pay someone to to help him, you know. No, yeah. and you know, if you guys if you guys get a deer down, you know, whether it be a doe or a buck or and you, and you take it to your taxidermist, I th- I feel like you need to ask your taxidermist what method he's using to preserve the hide, whether he's using dry preserve. Or whether he's tanning it, or if he's or if he's sending it off to get tanned outside of his shop, I feel like that is something as you, of you know the the person who has harvested that deer and is, and is paying the money to get it done. You need to find out what's going on with that hide because I have two on the wall that are dry preserve, and I, knowing what I know now, which I mean, you can all, you always wish you'd go back, mm-hmm. but. Man, dude, once I, once I've seen a couple mounts and I know what to look for with some mounts that have a tanned hide, that's the way to go, man. You can always remount them. Yeah, <laughs> he it, gets he actually had a remount in there from somebody somebody that. <laughs> that yeah, it was that thing needed an M eighty. Yeah, it was bad, but he he'll he'll bring it back to life. Yep. Um. Yeah. Just be sure. Be sure. I feel like you need to know. Check it out. What, what what's going on with your hide? Yep. I think I'll probably I'll if nothing happens I'll probably redo my my shotgun deer. Yeah, be cool. Yeah, I don't know what put I probably do them upright though. Yeah, you got to do. Yeah, you got to do the same. Do the same. 
Yeah. That was the way I seen him. He come he come just trotting in. It was yeah. it was ridiculous. ECW. What can we say, man? Veteran made product. <laughs> Whoa. I don't know if you guys heard that or not, but we just got some Richter scale. Whoa. <laughs> veteran owned, veteran operated company, right here local, putting out awesome product. We uh we're super excited for Jeff. He's got big things coming his way. Um, he's getting, he's growing majorly, getting in a ton of stores. And when you're talking to him, he's mm-hmm. he's growing huge around here, getting in a lot of the outdoor shows. He's a lot busier than I thought he was going to yeah, be. A lot, like uh, when we talked to him, man, that blew my mind how yeah, busy he was. That's good. We're uh, and he he wants more. He yeah. he said, bring it on. He's ready. Um, guy's a veteran, works full time, a different job, and then makes these calls too. So he's a busy guy. Got kids. Loves deer hunting. So and he's got a giant to chase this year. So he does. Oh yeah. Oh, I must have missed that. Yeah, he's got a giant. So hopefully, awesome. Hopefully he gets that deer down. That'd be super, super stellar for him. VIP. Old Maddie, man. I can't wait to just hang out with that guy. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> my. The wife was listening to his episode, and she's like, "Well, how old is Matt?" And I said, "I don't know. He's he's an older guy." He said, "He said he's just an old skinny dude." And she's like, "Man, where does he live?" I said, "Well, he lives down in Texas." She's like, "Oh man, I wish he lived closer. It's like to hang out with him." Like my wife is saying, I has no no idea about anything hunting wise, really. I mean, other than what I've told her, but she's just like, "Man, he seems like a really cool dude to just hang out with." Yeah, he. I mean, you know, me and him, we we text frequently, which is super cool, and. He's just a super awesome dude. I mean, he's always really positive. He just wants the best for everybody, yeah, really. He just wants to help people grow, and uh, he's really passionate about uh, about the little man. He's really passionate oh, yeah? about, I mean, uh, not the big companies, which I really like. You yeah. Know? And that's one thing I want to say on this episode. Um, VIP is growing rapidly. I mean, they're they're getting huge, but they're not as huge as you know brands that everybody knows. Right. And see, but the reason it is, is because they don't have they don't have the money to throw into marketing. They yeah. don't have they don't have the famous people saying that they shoot the broadhead. I'm gonna say this right now. Every broadhead a kill if you sh- you put a good shot. Yep. Okay. Will will it give you a pass through? Maybe, maybe not. You know, are you, I don't, I, you know, people rep a product and they say this is the best product, but they never really say why. So if you shoot a veteran, do you have a better chance of getting passed through? Yes. Yes. Why? Because it has the variable cutting width. Yes. Independent compressible blade width. Yep. Exactly. Scientific stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Are you, uh, are you supporting a small business? Yes. Are you supporting a veteran business? Yes. Are you supporting a 100% American-made product? Not built in America only, but 100% steel, 100% made, 100% owned. And assembled. And assembled. Yes. What else can we say? I mean, you, you, every broadhead a kill. We can't, we, broadhead's such a taboo topic. We can't change that, your opinion on something, but why wouldn't you want to rep and why wouldn't you want to shoot something that's going to do better 
then what you have already, you're going to feel more confident. You're going to support a small business in America that's veteran-owned, veteran-operated, and 100% American. I don't, I don't know how you get better than that. I don't understand, you know. Broadheads, I bet you Broadhead and Brand Bow yeah. is the hardest p- to top, change. Top two. All ha- the, it has to be top All two. the way across the board. has to be top two. Yeah. All I know is when I go full draw and the national anthem starts playing and I s- hit the trigger, Yeah, I'm going to be looking for that arrow to be sticking in the ground because it's going right through whatever deer yeah. I'm pulling back on. Yeah. I, I have got a pass through on everything that I've shot so far. T- oh man, dude, I'm telling you, it's going through it. Yeah, I mean, it's just you're going through a six and a half year old buck, leg bone. Yeah, and then back into it. Yeah, I mean, come on. Shattered his opposite leg bone in half, and the broadhead's mint. Still got it. You know, I mean, I, I just and okay, say something crazy happens, it, they got replaceable blades. Yeah, it, I'm t- okay. So well, this broadhead very, yeah, there's comes not, apart. Like yeah, that. like you know, ten seconds you have it apart. What there's not very many companies that say, okay, instead of buying a whole new set of broadheads, here's some replaceable blades for a quarter of the cost. Go ahead and shoot yeah, them. Yeah, I think you, I think you get new blades for eighteen bucks. Yeah, I mean, you know, what I mean, I mean, what, Brand what new company American does that? American steel scalpel sharp blades, yeah. ready to throw yeah. in there. Case hardened scalpel sharp blades. I mean. I don't. Okay, we're just we're just moving on because there's nothing yep. else we can say. We're done. We're so passionate about that broadhead, and Matt is such a good dude. I just like I told him today, I'm gonna go into battle with my bow and my podcast mic, ready to <laughs> roll in. <laughs> so, all right, guys, we hope you enjoy this episode. Before you, I move on, before I move on, okay. I'm gonna hit it with the VIP shout out. Let me pull that up. Well, while Cody pulls that up. Um we had Matt Damon on back in episode eight, and uh, he, he got his own episode, and he was also the veteran shout-out for that episode. But Matt is still active duty, and uh, here about a month ago, um, he was deployed, and he was deployed over to Drosko Pomorski, Poland, for three weeks, and um, 116 troops went from the 123 Engineer Battalion in the National Guard. And uh, we just wanted to shout them out again, uh, shout Matt out and um, all his buddies and troops that went over there and uh, were deployed in Poland for the beginning of summer back here in the country. So we appreciate all that. And uh, Cody, go ahead and hit him with the with the veteran broadhead shout out. Yeah, Matt, I just want to say thank you, man. I know you got kids. You're away from them, your kids and wife. And he's getting ready for a wedding. I think it's yeah, 50 days. I know. 50 days, less than 50 days now. We can't we can't think enough. But I got John Burns, um, 1990 to 1993. He was in the Na- the Navy in the Gulf War on a attack hover squad. He went to Iraq, the Red Sea, Germany, Sweden. The guy has been all over. He spent he spent most of his almost all of his time on a boat, on an attack squad, attack squad boat attached to a bigger Navy ship. So we can't pre- we can't thank you enough, John. Um, he's a new listener to the podcast. Right on. So that's that's awesome, and uh, we uh, we we appreciate for what you did way back in 1990 for us. Yeah, John. Uh, I definitely appreciate it. I know I can't do a long time on a boat. 
No. Um, so I would have had some nerves about going out there and being stuck out there on a boat. Yeah. Especially on a littler one, not just like a big old Navy carrier. Yeah. Well, we appreciate what you did, man. We can't thank you enough. From here, the White Tail Legacy crew, both of our families. We hope you guys enjoy this episode. I definitely enjoyed it. Um, I uh, I appreciate Josh coming on, and I can't wait to have him on again. What you need to do right now is just go buy a pack of batteries and get some trail cams out. Heck yes. Do it. Velvet, Velvet Rut. Velvet <laughs> Rut's on. <laughs> it's going to be baller. <laughs> How's it going, guys? We're sitting in here, and we got Josh Prophet on the phone, man. Thank you so much for calling, dude. I am... I've been telling you, but dude, I'm stoked about this episode. I'm gonna learn so much. This, I mean, for me, especially we hit you like the exact right time period, like you said, going into Velvet Rut. This is like the perfect episode time for you. That's right. That's right. You know, anytime that you can get together with a couple guys and talk about deer hunting, I don't care if it's nine o'clock at night or uh, nine o'clock in the morning. It, it's a good time. Yeah, we're we're doing this at nine o'clock at night, and uh, he was nice enough. You just drove from how many hours you had to drive in the car, too, and you're still talking to Man, us. Man, so. it was deep. We left <laughs> at 4.30 and got home at, got, and pulled in the driveway about 2.30. So you do the math. Uh, with a three-year-old in the back, it, uh, it oh. was, it was, yeah. It was, it was brutal. Yeah. <laughs> it was quite the adventure. So I've I've been up, you know, all morning. I've drove 650 miles, and now we're here talking big deer. Heck, yeah, man. I you can't thank you enough for coming on. I'm super excited about this episode. We're going to put a lot of good information out there. Um, we got homie in studio, as always. Let's just start asking the man questions. I'm I know, ready to go. I know. I just want to give a big shout-out to homie. He put in a ton of work today for us, so there's your shout-out. By the time by the time we're done recording tonight, I'll, I'll probably be about 10 hours deep yeah. in just <laughs> podcast stuff today. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get, let's get right into questions, man. Let's get your... Uh, Let's get the people started. Let's get your background of hunting, uh, where you started hunting, and, and where you're at now. Okay, uh, basically, uh, I started hunting about 25 years ago. Um, my granddad kind of got me into it, and he was a meat hunter, and, and I grew up thinking that a buck was a trophy. Um, I pretty much shot the first deer I've seen, and if it was a buck, you know, if it was a, a four-corned year and a half year old buck i thought i done killed a booner um and that uh that went on till the time i was about 15 or 16 because i remember i got my first monster bucks dvd and these guys were you know they were knocking down pope and youngs i'm like i've never seen a deer that big like how are they doing that and then it dawned on me like oh they're not shooting the first thing they see so that kind of, you know, that kind of changed the, my outlook. And uh, the first year I started letting deer walk, I was the first year I put one in on the wall. But uh, to quick recap, you know, I've uh, pretty much, I guess I've uh, bow hunted roughly about bow hunted about 18 seasons, and I got nine deer. Heck yeah, man! Can't beat that. That's better standings than I got. Yeah, that's that's a lot more than I got. <laughs> I've barely been alive yeah. eighteen years. <laughs> There's been a couple heartbreaks in there too, and you know, and it's the saying's true: the, the the biggest one always gets away, and that seems like that's happened three times to me, off the top of my head. 
Yeah, I've had, I've been there too. You've been homie's been there too. It seems like yeah. all the giants just slip right between your fingers, man. <laughs> man, they just do. They Nothing. do something to you. Yeah. Big deer do something to you. And I mean, they will they will take a grown man, a veteran, and they they will just shake him and break him. For they really sure. will. For sure, man. <laughs> I've been there where you're you're like way like when I shoot a deer, I feel like I'm in my element. But when I was on that, you know, world class deer, I was not. I was like a six year old in the stand, <laughs> drawing back the bow for the first time. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, uh, so you said you started young shooting forked horns right off the bat? Yeah, I started when I was about eight. I think I killed my first deer when I was eight. Best I can remember, I killed my first buck for sure when I was 10. Um, it was just a downhill spiral from there, you know. Um, at the time, I could only hunt two days during youth season. We, we didn't have a muzzleloader, and then, um, you know, modern-day rifle season here in Kentucky was two weeks long. So, basically, you know, I was only hunting four or six times a season, and, I mean, I was just ate up with it. And uh, about the time I was 14 or 15, my uncle, I don't know what model it is, but he had an old browning bow, and uh, he was like, hey, you know, get this thing dialed in, go hunt. Then all of a sudden I realized that my season was not just a couple days long. It was from September to January, and that was, that's me, that was the game changer. Heck, yeah. Yeah, I started out rifle hunting and went straight to bow hunting, and then when you get that bow hunting, and my parents must have been, like, super cool because I was 12 and they let me just go up by myself and just rep it, you know. I had a climber stand, too. Dangerous, <laughs> dangerous as hell. <laughs> Man, I don't know. I got a 12-year-old, and I don't know if I could picture him climbing right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, he'll, uh, he'll hang and bang, but um, I can't picture him climbing. So the, the, the main thing we want to cover on this episode, and I think we could take a whole episode up, is your trail cam game, dude. Before you start talking, I just want to say your trail cam game is next level. For me, there might be other people out there that are doing what you do, but I th- it's got to be a minute group that is doing what you do, <laughs> man. And the amount of work and time and the amount, you know, the, the amount of intel that you guys have year after year for for the next season is, is major. And the first question I want to ask you, I've heard a lot of people talk about this, is you run so many trail cameras, so have you noticed that a buck will come back to a, a an area around the same time within seven-day period year after year? Yes. Yes and no. Yes mean they will do it. No mean every deer is just like me, you, and homie. They're all their own individuals. Um, they all do different things. Um, and, you know, I, I strictly hunt public land for deer. And there's a lot of factors that come into that. But um, to, to, to revert back on the yes, basically, um, two seasons ago, um, I was chasing a booner. Um, I'm pretty sure I seen him one time from the stand. I'm pretty sure, not 100%. And then um, basically shed season rode around. Everybody was shed hunting. I was trying to uh, I was trying to hold off on getting the sheds because it was, it was mid-February, I think. And I was getting pictures of just shed dogs and people shed hunting. And I had this deer pinned down. Um, season wasn't in. I knew right where he was. 
And I told myself, I'm either going to go in there and I'm going to pick up them sheds or I'm going to go in there and I'm going to, and I'm going to run into him. And I'll be dang if I didn't go in there and run right into him with both antlers on the side of his head. Oh man. <laughs> and to answer your question, the next year, he was right there, right there. Same time. So he was, he was late wintering in the same exact area. So, well, I started, uh, I had some buddies getting pictures of him, uh, earlier than I did. I think, um, I started getting him in October and then, um, first year I was getting him in October. I actually had a couple pictures of him that weren't good pictures. Um, basically cause I was running crappy trail cameras, just to be honest with you. But after finally staring at the picture to where I couldn't stare at it no more, I realized that, Hey, there he is. I just didn't know it. And, uh, so he starts showing up in October, uh, two, two seasons ago and last season, he actually showed up a little bit earlier. I start getting pictures of him, uh, well, actually a lot earlier. I think I moved in more to his home core area, but same places I was getting him in October, he was there in the same week. Nice, man. That's, that's one thing I always wanted to do. I, I don't like you said the public ground that you're hunting is close to 3,000 acres, right? Um, no, it's 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 pushing 10,000 acres. Oh, but holy smokes. To, 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 in a nutshell, to sum it up, me and a couple buddies, you know, we just threw out some cameras on what we thought we could manage because we try to throw out cameras on 10,000 acres and hunt 10,000 acres. Me personally, in my views, I just get sidetracked. There's too many places to go, too many what-ifs. So we just... You know, 3,000 acres is still a good chunk of ground, but we just more or less called that home. Yeah, I'd say so. That's giant. I don't think we have a property close to us that's 3,000 acres public. There, I mean, uh, how big is Spoon? It's like 1,500. 15, yeah. yeah. See, that, nope. That's yeah. almost as big as it gets around here. Yeah. So that's right. – I, I don't know what Snake Den is, but, I mean – It ain't that big. No, it's not. So, yeah, that's that's awesome that you're, you're – you're strictly public and you've been as successful as you have on public that just blows my mind i've shot one decent buck off public and it was halloween night and it was like six or seven years ago and uh i was super proud of that buck i had a really bad circumstance with that buck on public but you'll get that some areas you know Uh, oh yeah that's one thing i want to talk about how how have the people been out on on public ground with you man for the most part in a whole really good i've met good friends i've i've died laughing in parking lots uh, i've seen Boone and crockett deer sitting on the back of tailgates i've heard deer stories i've you know met new friends it's um it's been a very 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 good experience um you know pretty much looking back over the last i don't know over a decade of public land hunting with that, that reminds me, me and my cousin Dallas, we used to hunt the public ground opener every season, you know, and it, the parking lot's just full of people. And uh, there's this one group of guys that would bring a barbecue grill, and they'd stand right around the barbecue grill, hunt a gear up, <laughs> cook, cook some steaks and stuff, and then they'd go right back out 95 degrees, and they'd hunt the evening hunt. <laughs> and we were always there, and... and uh, we started grilling, but we pull all our stuff off and and start grilling, and then we'd uh we hunt the evening hunt, and uh, 
we'd almost always shoot a doe that first weekend. So there's always, like you said, it's if you get on good public where you can feel some guys out, we uh we had a lot of fun out there with the guys, and it's just it's just the beginning of the season, and uh, fun. But how uh how deep are you guys going on public? Is it, you guys got a long walk or a long drag out on there? Um, you know, not really. I say that I say our longest one's a mile and a half, and that's not as a crow flies. That's probably by foot travel. The things the thing with these WMAs or public properties is you know. I'm going to tell you from experience, the secret about going deep is out, and it has been out. And some of these savages that come in from the East Coast and down South, they come to the Midwest, they're killers, and they are willing to put in the work. And they will go the distance, without a doubt. There's multiple people that will go the distance. But the thing you run into on a lot of public properties is access. You know, you got, say you got 10,000 acres and you're looking at a map and either, you know, you, you know it good or you don't know it good. And let's just say you don't know it good. You know, you're looking at a map and, okay, I'm going deep, I'm going deep. You look at it, you know, use hunt stand or on X, you map it out. It's a mile and a half back. There's a good ridge or a field that you want to sit on. You bounce in there and you, you spend an hour in the dark getting back there. You get all the way back there, you see a flashlight. You're like what? Yeah, it's devastating. Dude, I've been you're there. You're like what? And and that's just because you you didn't know that a mile and a half on the other side of the property, which is the property line, you had basically a three mile stretch of property, which is huge. But you got two guys trying to go deep, coming in from the north or the south or the east or the west, and they run right into each other. Yeah. Um. So basically, um, I just go with deer are. I don't care if it's at the parking lot. I don't care if it's right behind somebody's back house from the property, real close to the property line, or if it's two miles back. You know, that's where I'm going. That's some good intel because most of the time you hear people say, you know, you got to go deep or you got to go where people aren't. And now, you're you're putting in the work and running the trail cameras and going where the deer are. You know, and yeah, you got to go. You got to go where the deer are. Not not you don't have to go deep. You just the best thing, there's no substance for boots on the ground. Put the boots on the ground. People are lazy. They leave deer. They leave sign just like like deer do. You look at trees. You can see where they climbed. You look at old thumbtacks. You know, or or the uh, cat eyes, the bright eyes from their flashlights because people have lost woodman woodsmanship. You see ribbons. You see trash. You see footprints. There's just so much that you can learn. And there's so much that people will literally, you know, walk past. You, so, you know, to answer your question, you don't always have to go deep. Yes, you, you can and have some great hunts. But, um, you know, my place where I seen my booner and, and killed my second to last year where I hunt at was a 20-minute flat walk. Yeah, I got a spot like that on public here that I stuck a buddy and uh... – try to get my cousin to hunt there i'm gonna go public i actually put my shotgun tag in this year for strictly public i'm gonna leave my private piece alone and oh, i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna be down in the oh man it's like this piece that they people don't even know it's part of the park it's split off by a creek there's no parking access you got to walk like a mile down the road and then you can cut in 
I've never seen a tree stand down there, and I've found sheds down there. There's a ton of buck sign, and I'm going to have a – there's one – it's like a it's like a nasty-ass grass area with a creek draw, and I'm going to climb up this one lone walnut tree in my climber and smoke a giant with my shotgun. That's my plan. But, <laughs> I was say, hey, it sounds real yeah. like you already did it. No. <laughs> no. Positive – positive vibes man you you got this yeah you got I, uh, to stay positive my buddy hunted down there he hasn't shot a deer yet and uh he's missed two small bucks in the doe <laughs> early season so i know there's deer going through there there's a ton of ground scrapes and sign during shed season and uh i actually took my cousin and walked him to his first shed find <laughs> down there and uh it's pretty nice buck for public so like you said those little overlooked areas uh, might be good and then I also hunt a piece that is limited draw and people think that it's like really hard to get in but it's not but they right. everybody I tell that I was in, I'm like oh yeah it's hard to get in you know but I've been drawed the last two years and I haven't and, and people are like oh yeah we, 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 we could have took 15 more hunters or 10 more hunters I'm like man this isn't and it's just full of big deer but people just overlook it because they're like, oh, it's hard to hunt. Access is hard. You can only hunt certain time periods. And like you said, they're lazy, and they don't want to put the work in to figure out where the deer are on, on that ground. Right. I couldn't agree more with you, man. couldn't agree more. So we've been talking about trail cams. So let's get in. Let's get in. So right now we're getting into Velvet Fest. What is your trail cam game look like right now? Well, it's um, taking baby steps, okay? You know, our season opens up the first weekend of September here, which is a high, high success rate for a velvet buck. You know, uh, hence Velvet Fest. I've never killed one, but I want to. And um, I haven't got all of my all of my trail cameras out. Um, basically, I think I have eight or ten out. I, I would have to check Deer Lab or check my Onyx. But, um basically i've just got a few out uh, a couple and in reoccurring places where i hang the trail camera on the same tree every year and then i keep a couple satellite cameras um that i just kind of move around throughout the season um basically just trying to stay on fresh sign and i got a few of those out um as well because you know the, the crops rotate and the food plots rotate on on any ground and uh now although the deer may not be you know busy visiting it in the daylight right now he's definitely doing it at night and it, i don't care anywhere you got in the midwest if you got beans you got the deer if they're in the area and uh so i got some cameras set up close to what really close to what i think are some bedding probably within 100 yards and then um, I got a, a couple cameras set off uh, two or 300, 400 yards um, around some to where I think that they're feeding. And just basically, um, you know, when I check them, I'm going to see if, if, you know, what I'm thinking is true. If, if I'm on their bed or if I'm not, I'm, I'm 100% positive I'm, I'm on the food source. But that's, you know, that's only half of killing a big deer. So, so when you're running those those trail camera now are you in later in the year you know maybe like uh you know end of september or first of september when you can start hunting them are you on public ground are you targeting a specific buck or are you just going to an area 
where you have a lot of buck activity? Um, I've only tried to target one specific buck in my whole entire life, and that was last season, and he was killed opening day of gun season. And to be honest with you, I more or less I knew that because, you know, I that's the same deer that I told you I ran into. He still had the antlers on his head. I was just I, I, I was on him. And, you know, come the rut, he really didn't run far, man. He, I mean, he really didn't. He stayed on about five or 600 acres. And um, my, my, I felt like my chances were high. And he just got stopped showing up on my trail cameras. So, you know, when I was hunting, the cameras that I was, you know, literally right there, I was checking them, and he had been on them all season. He just wasn't on them. He wasn't on any of them. Um, the real big tracks around his what I think his bedding area was, they kind of disappeared, and I was just like, man, this he's he's done. It's it's time to change, time to, time to change years. So, so before we get too much deeper, how how many trail cameras do you run? Just so the listeners can can know in a year's time. I don't I don't know exactly how many I have. I have to go. I actually write them down. That way I know. But I ha- I personally have over 30 myself um and me as a group with just a few of my buddies we run close to 70 yeah so you guys are getting some serious intel on that property one one of the oh, i know i know oh, homie's yeah. got a question he's itching to ask <laughs> but i gotta ask you one question one more time so <laughs> so i get a giant on trail cam okay. and, then, and then i see my neighbor shoot it and you get that yep. that feeling, you know. You guys get that all the time. You know, I mean, if you're running that many trail cameras, like you said, you got pretty much every buck on that area, maybe a few randoms that you haven't picked up, but you're like, oh, yeah, I know that buck. Man, that's got to be a devastating blow when you start seeing big deer drop every year that you got trail cameras on. Well, what happens is is you keep your circle small and you don't show your pictures to nobody um, for the most part, okay? So, um you'll meet some guys out there hunting and you'll exchange numbers. And, you know, so basically what you do is you stick a group of hunters in that have friends. So basically you got five friends and they got five friends. So, you know, 10 people that's hunting or more. And when they kill a big deer, you know, they send you a picture of it and they don't know that you got a picture of it, but you do. So you just knock him off the hit list and then you go ahead and you send them a picture out of respect. Like you, here he was alive, um, but <laughs> but until then they had no clue you knew about him just because man that's that's the name of the game on public land. That's hunting, man. Yeah, no one, no one, no one's seen me or homies giant bucks. No, no. <laughs> we talk um, we talk about them, but no one's seen the pics. I've uh, I've only actually had one deer, one deer that when the picture come in of him dead, I. I just kind of dropped my phone and looked at my wife like somebody ran over my dog. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? And it was that big guy I was hunting last year. I knew he was dead, but I had no confirmed. He was killed like November 14th or 15th, whenever Kentucky's uh, uh, opening uh, modern gun season was. But I didn't get the picture till like January, December or January. And, <laughs> and the picture of the guys, literally, you can see – all the woods in the background where all the score bedding was and the cameras over and i've stood right there at the property line looking over the fence thinking yeah this is where he's going to die this year <laughs> so yeah it um 
I try not to get too attached to them, but um, every once in a while you have something special come along. And what I mean by that is you have a really big deer that comes by that's not really smart, so he's actually killable. And out of all my years on public ground, that's only happened one time. I found a really big deer that was dumb, and I think he died when he was five and a half years old. I don't want to buy a rifle and drive around. So, so can you hunt a uh, rifle on public there? Or? No, well, it just all you got. That's the thing. With any state, you need to stay up on your rules and regulations because, um, you know, some places are open to statewide regulations. Some places are bow only. Some places offer, um, like, muzzleloader hunts. Like, where I hunt, there's no rifle hunting. So during rifle season, I don't even have to wear orange. And I'll be like... I'll throw a selfie out there or put something, and everybody's, I get a private message like, dude, you better put your orange on. I'm like, dude, you better read the regulations. <laughs> <laughs> so, and and it just all depends on where you're hunting. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll throw some orange in the pack and, and take a picture with it and take it off, and I really ain't going to have it. You know, just, just to kind of keep people off my back. Yeah, for sure. Well, I know you're itching, homie. Go ahead and hit him. <laughs> hit him. <laughs> So with all these trail cameras that you're running and it being public ground, um, are you, are you going, what's your scent control look like going in to check them? And to be honest with you, it's, it's, it's not much. Um, just going to shoot you straight. If I know where some hardcore bedding is, I will definitely try to keep my wind out of there and I won't check those cameras, but basically, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's Saturday morning. And I got all day Saturday and all day Sunday to hunt. I'll do a short hunt Saturday morning. I'll get down, and my boots are on the ground, and I'm straight up burning leather. I don't care which way my wind's blowing, which way the deer are running. And, um, and I mean, I, I have a little method between that because um, basically uh, – I like to pick public ground that uh, that allows hikers and horseback riders and all that. So there's a big difference in you taking off walking through the woods and your 200 acres of private property that you let all out that you did not hunt till November versus the 10,000 acres of public ground that people hike, horseback ride, coon hunt, small game hunt, all that on. And you can get you can get away with a lot more. Yeah, people, they're just they're just adjusted to it, you know. They they're used to human scent with people being out there. That I understand that. No, I don't. I don't play. I know it sounds crazy because with you know the the, the way the scent game is and all the the infault pixie dust and all the hocus pocus um, that's out there that really doesn't work. I just don't buy into it. And you know, at the end of the day, I'm a blue collar guy, and I either I'm gonna either you know wait and get and not get the intel, or go in and get it. And I I choose to go in and get it because a lot of times, the earliest I check any of my cameras is two weeks, but normally it's like every six weeks. Yeah, that's something I want to sh- I want to share right now. So you you are a, a coal miner, right? So you have and you got family, so you got limited time. I just want you to share with the listeners kind of what your hunting time is like to where they can realize how successful you've been on public with the time that you put in 
Okay, so I work two weeks of days and two weeks of nights. Um, every other weekend is a family weekend for me. Um, I have all my kids here at the house. Unless it's the rut, I really don't go out. If I do go out, I'm on my down way before I should be or have my son with me. Um, and so basically, you know, I got four days a month to hunt. And on my, on my off weekends uh, or on my night shift weekends, you know, I, I, don't, I don't leave my job site to 1.30. It's a two-hour drive to where I hunt. So I'm literally... Got up at 8 o'clock, worked a 10-hour shift, driving all night. And as soon as I get there, I more or less just go get in the stand, you know. I, I'm the pretty much the first one in there for the most part and normally one of the last ones to leave. Yeah, that's probably why you are so successful on public, man. You get in there, there's probably a lot of deer that gets bumped to you in the morning from people coming in late or people getting out at 9 and stuff like that, so... Time on stand is key. Yeah. Yes, it is. There's there's no substitutes for boots on the ground and time on the stand. And you got you got to be in the stand to kill them. Because you never know. I mean, you really never know. I don't care how windy it is, how hot it is, how cold it is. What anybody told you, you never know because it can change just like that. And I'm telling you, I've been at the lowest of lows and turned around. And there he was. And, and 30 seconds later, it was done. Yep, that's what we learn a lot on this podcast, man. There's just, you know, people kill giant deer in, like, the worst circumstances you can imagine. So it can happen at any time. Like you said, you just, if you got the time, you got to be out there and you got to be ready because it could happen right. at any time, you know. Right. And to kind of you know go back on your question when she was talking about like how's my scent control when i check my cameras um like i said i try and it doesn't always happen i try to key into places that have to have hiking trails that have horseback riding trails um that really have a lot of human activity throughout the year because what happens is you have a large piece of property and the, and the deer is born on it and he and he, a lot of times, you know, he may never leave the public property. So throughout his whole life, that's all he knows. He's, he's smelling humans. He's smelling humans. He's smelling humans. He's smelling humans. Now, whether he's smart enough to figure out if he's hunted or not, I, I couldn't tell you. Um, but I like to pick the places that not necessarily are hunted real hard, but have a lot of human, you know, intrusion on it because i can get away with a lot more myself um <laughs> you're gonna think this is funny but we got this camera that was down under what we call the lower west field and it, it had a boner on it and it had some, a couple of 140s maybe a 150 on it daylight pictures wide open field mile and a half from any parking place and then what do i get on it besides a bunch of hunters some Amish kids out courting about 17 years old in the broad daylight. <laughs> Solid. Yeah. Uh, big ridges all the way around this field, and I couldn't tell you how many deer probably just sit up there and watch them people. Yeah. And it's so you just, I mean, you, it goes back to learning, you know, knowing like, know, know your property, know your deer, know where you hunt, because some places you can really can't get away with a lot more than others and i don't think i'm the greatest hunter so i like to stack the odds in my favor and i think that's by going to where there's human intrusion 
Yeah, that's a great, great idea because, like you said, they're used to it. So you running trail cameras is just like another hiker to them. You know, that's not something that's out of the ordinary. So one, no. oh, go ahead. Now, I was just going to tell you, like, you, you hear all these people saying, like, they see these this deer sign and this rub, and I don't want to lead people the wrong way because a lot of it is done at night. But what I'm getting at is you, you never really know until you dump a lot of cameras in on the area and you let them bake for a long time without checking them. You'll have a horse trail or a hiking trail, and literally you will have people hunting or walking or horseback riding, and then two or three hours later in the broad daylight, there's a 150 using the easy route right down the right down the trail. Same way, walking in the same scent. No one he smells it. No one he's out in the open. No one he's a bone of right there. So it's uh, just something to kind of stick in your hip pocket. Some, yeah. Some deer are dumb and some deer are smart. Yeah, they uh, they say that they don't get big by being dumb, but some of them are just dumb. <laughs> but for the most part, I mean, they're they're not. But you just you just gotta know your deer. Yeah, we uh, we I, I'm a big shed hunter, you know, and I shed hunt public, and I never like there's this trail that people go in. It's like back where I shot my buck, and there's a bunch of hunters back there, you know. So I kind of faded away from that area just because there's so much hunters. But my buddy went shed hunting there and found three sheds. And one really nice eight-pointer. And I'm talking like it's like, I mean, it's probably 60, 70 yards from the parking lot where he found these sheds, you know. And then so thi- and then this year, I'm with my, my boy out shed hunting, and I find a 70-inch shed 20 yards from the road on another piece of public ground. That, exactly. That people were like, oh, I'd never look there, you know. And that's exactly what I thought about my buddy going out there. I'm like, that that stuff's been hit so much, it's it's not even funny. And then, boom, he picks up three sheds and, and one really nice one off public, you know. So that's what he said. Right. And, and people say, you know, like, unless you sit there, a, you know, a time or two, you really don't know. But somebody may see that and they're like, you know, that deer's nocturnal. That deer's not, this is all nocturnal. Well, how do you know? <laughs> how do you know? Because it's right beside a walking trail or or right beside the road. How do you know that the deer wasn't just watching? Because I'll tell you something. There, I struggle in October, okay? I, I do. But there is no such thing as the October lull. A deer moves every day. He may not move far, but he moves. He doesn't sit there all day long. From dark to dark. Yeah, I've I've shot two bucks October fifteenth in the evening, middle of the October yep. law. So exactly. I I don't believe in the October law. I believe you can get in there on them with the right conditions. Maybe a cold front coming in. Um, one was shot on a cold front, and one was shot because the farmer was picking the cornfield close to my area. So right. you know you got the right conditions where you might get deer moving on their feet i i'd I'd think the october and then just like our our couple podcasts ago you know he believes the first 10 days are the best days to kill a buck you know he shot they're definitely unpressured yeah he shot a 196 and the 170s and a couple 160s right in the first 10 days october you know which blows my mind you know (laughs) but you know it's just 
it's it's you know there's not a lot of people out there hunting like you said the rut on public i i could assume it just gets overrun you know when it comes to the rut it does because everybody wants that everybody wants that vegas look and what i mean by that is everybody wants to hunt the rut and there's nothing wrong with that because really that's your highest odds of killing a not a specific but a you know good deer yeah i believe that too i mean it's if you're if you're not putting in the work like you are running the trail cameras and you're just going out sitting on a pinch or sitting on a saddle that you know might be or sitting on a doe bedding area something like that that's your best chance of a buck cruising in daylight you know and you know maybe he don't know the area he's in a different you know different zone than he normally is so he's cruising on top of the ridge instead of three quarters of the way down the ridge you know being a little risky and you get a shot but one thing i want to talk about is you run so many trail cameras on public and uh, I've ran trail cameras on public, so I have to ask. You don't have to give me all your tips, but I have to ask how you don't get them vandalized or stolen. you got to have some secret method. <laughs> well, the last couple of years, I would, be, I, would, uh, I would argue with you because I don't know what's happened in the last couple of years. Um, well, I think I know. Basically, I think we've moved in on somebody's hot spot and they were just tired of it um so instead of stealing our cameras which doesn't happen a whole lot um not for running as many cameras as we did they were destroying them you know all of our cameras are locked to the max you know uh, cable lock with a mini pad lock and they would destroy the camera drop the batteries and take the sd card and roll out so we would come in all stealth like pumped up because our cameras soak we, you know like i said maybe check one every two weeks but that's not that's that's rare you know all of ours has been out a month six weeks seven weeks some of them all season and then we get to this camera and it's smashed oh man heartbreak dude that's terrible it's smashed who does that Somebody that wants to die does that. <laughs> 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 right. But anyways, to get back to your question, so um, I until last year or so, and it only happens in this one area where we hunt. So if we stay, kind of stay out that side that area with our cameras, we don't really have any problems. Um, not for running 70 cameras. I didn't have one stolen last year. I had one smashed, but I put it in the same tree as it got smashed in the year before, but I put it about 14 foot high, and he still got it out of the tree. Dang. Wow. It worked for yeah. it, though. Had to work. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Man, you move into an area and, and things like this start happening, you you really got to think outside the box. And um, there's some trees sometimes that I want to put a camera on, but I just can't because the camera, you know, it, it sticks out too much. You know, the, the tree's dark and the camera's light or vice versa. You know, you put the camera on the tree and you can see it plain as day. Um. So I, I try to pick my trees. If my camera's dark, I try to pick a dark tree. If my camera's a lighter camera, like some of my uh, lift 2s, I like a, like a, a lighter tree. Um, you know, one method is, um, is hanging them high, and that does work. But the thing about that is, is people like me on this podcast, people like everybody else on the podcast that says hang them high, everybody's starting to look high. <laughs> right. 
you know what I'm saying? People are going, hunters are going down field edges looking in the trees now. <laughs> and I know that. So, you know, color coordinating your cameras. If, if you got a bag full of cameras like me, um, I run the Exodus, the two different ones, you know, put them on a tree that blends in. And another thing that people don't think about is put them on a tree about the size of the camera. Don't put it on a smaller tree. Don't put it on a bigger tree. Because if you put it on a tree about the size of the camera, number one, they can't hardly cut the tree with a saw. Um, they shouldn't have that saw there in the first place. But, man, they're, you know, they're going to have to cut a, a tree down about the size of your calf. They're going to be there in a minute. They're going to have to work for it. So, you know, put it on a tree about that size. Because if the tree's too big, it sticks out. If the tree's too small, it sticks out. You can hang them high, or if the water doesn't get in them, which is number one thing at killing cameras, you can hang them low. Um, now, hanging them high and hanging them low, that definitely messes with the quality of your picture. It messes with the angle of your deer, makes some deer look bigger than what they really are, takes down on your nighttime pictures. You know, your flash range isn't as good. So my, my number one thing is, is I put them on trees that they blend into, and I put them on trees the size of the camera because they can't, you know, they can't just go over there and cut the tree down. And if the, the camera's, you know, say it's four inches across and you put it on a four-inch tree, it just, it kind of blends in. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, and now most CD, my wife will tell you, but if you're running a Python cable or a strap, hey, tuck that bad boy around the tree. Don't leave that, don't leave that tail hanging. Don't leave that tail hanging because number one is that just shows you, you know, what kind of hunter you are. You know, I come in here, I put this camera on the tree, I pull this cable tight, or I pull this strap tight, I'm out. I'm like, man, you gotta you gotta hunt cleaner than that. So wrap that bad boy around the tree and get it tight. That way, there's nothing flapping in the wind for people to see. There's nothing hanging down, and try to get it all tucked in real close to the camera. That way, you know, if from the top of your camera to the bottom is five inches you know you got five inches of camera showing and hardly any uh cable or strap versus a big tail hanging down or, or tie your strap up five inches above the the camera you get what i'm saying yeah yeah you don't want to get a bunch of pictures of your strap blowing <laughs> in the wind either <laughs> no no so and then it, it it's like me if you got people that that really like to to mess up things man just stay out of there you know don't put a camera there it's it's not worth it to get a camera smashed or stolen i mean just don't put a camera there um because you know a lot of people hunt a lot of the same areas and if you get a camera stolen right there in one close area chances are you put one back there he's probably going to get it because he's going to be back in there yeah for sure that's that's awesome tips for the listeners, man. That's a lot of stuff that I wouldn't have thought of. Um, one thing I want to ask, since you're running so many cameras, I wanted to see, you know, you hear a lot of people talk about, you know, deer react to cameras or they get scared to cameras. I wanted to see if you ever noticed that uh, throughout the season or throughout the years. I have over my experience of running trail cameras, which goes all the way back to film cameras, if that tells you how long I've been running them. <laughs> Okay, but not really, not enough to where it it, ma it matters to me. Now, some people say, 
like this guy that's hunting a private farm he wants this totally blackout camera makes no flash no nothing um to me it's not that big of a deal even on public ground um because the deer if i see it how i run my trail cameras if it spooks him i'm going to get him wherever he goes bottom line um but most of the time man it, it don't it, they just get curious about it and they may that's where you see it you get this perfect picture of this big deer and he freezes right in the middle of the perfect picture and then the next thing you know here he comes and then right before you know it his his nose is on it yeah i've I got a lot of pictures of that where they're right you know, up and, in there and, yeah and but and then he'll my experience is he'll just he'll just keep coming back now there has been a few i could probably count them on one hand maybe no more than two hands where i've got a picture of a deer and he's just gone you know that big deer i had that joker looked me in the eyes on the camera i could send you pictures where his eyes are turned you can see the white in his eyes and he is looking dead at the camera saying i'm right here where you at yeah he, 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 you, could, huh? care, <laughs> he could care less i think personally me personally the thing that scares them is the sound yeah. sound of the camera cycling through the pictures or whatever it may do they may be real close to it and you hear click that may freak them out yeah. so um yeah, I know a lot of you people know, say, you know, they see lightning and get flashed and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know if you've had it or not, but if you've ever been walking through public at night and walk past a trail camera and it's flashed you, how about piss my pants, dude? <laughs> that, scared, yeah, that scared me, man. <laughs> so The thing about it is they, the, 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 the IR cameras, not the blackout, just the regular infrareds, they're so low glow and they flash so fast you literally have got to be looking at the camera at the exact second that it goes off. Now, if somebody has it on like a three-shot burst or or a three-shot burst every five seconds, you may be able to see a little better. But I can't tell you how many times on an IR camera back in the day that I've got pictures of people, whatever, walking right past the camera in the dark, and they they never seen it. Yeah, that's good to know, man, because, I, I, you know, you never know with with deer you know or how they react to your camera you know are they just cruising through there then they see your camera and then they they're like well i'm not going to come back here but it's good to know someone that runs that many cameras on public ground where deer are you know more alert than private or uh you know they're not uh, affected that much by them i i guess it just depends on you and your goals like me you know, I, I try to keep mine on the budget because I'm on the public ground and I run a lot. And if the deer moves, I feel about 95% confident that I can find him um, in a, probably a two-mile square radius or mile mile and a half square radius. Um, but if you're hunting a private ground and you really are trying to keep it low-key and and you really and if you really are anal and you think that it may scare him, just go with go with a blackout camera because my experience is you buy the best gear you can afford and you stick with it you buy the best gear no matter what nobody says it gives you the most confidence and you stick with it because at the end of the day when you're sitting up in the tree they're not killing the deer for you you're doing the work so if buying that ir camera you know makes you feel better about it because you got a small 
farm and you don't want to spook the deer, you got a 200, you know, world-class deer that you don't want to spook, you know, by the, by the blackout. But to me, man, it versus the money, I, I don't see, I don't see the, the issue with running either or. Yeah. And that's a lot of, you know, that's a big issue for everybody is just trying to get the money rounded up for trail cam because that's an extra expense. You know, they might have to pay for their land. They got to pay for gear. They got to pay for tags, license. You know, it's just now, coming up with the extra uh, hundred bucks. Hang on, homie. Homie. What, repeat what you just said. I don't know what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> you said, da 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 da, you got to pay for the land. Did I hear that right? Yeah, well, okay, yeah. <laughs> yep. okay. He now, got let, you. Let me, let, let me go into just a little bit more detail, and I know some of the private guys that you know hunt the private ground may not be able to re- relate to this, but that's how I have so many cameras. That's how I have good gear. Josh Prophet don't pay lease fees. Good for you, Josh. You're, <laughs> you're a baller. I need to get up to Josh Prophet. Josh Prophet don't own 60 acres and pay a big payment on it. Josh Prophet hunts land of the free and on public ground. And, and so that allows me to spend extra money on good gear. I mean, it really does. That's how I buy my trail cameras. That's how I buy my clothes, my gear, my bows, my arrows. Um, no lease fees. No, I'm not, I'm not tied to, not married to any kind of big payment. That's baller, dude. I'm yeah. glad you said that. That's like the the best thing that's come out of this episode so so far. Cuz I'm on if, that if, I'm on that edge right now is do I do I buy ground or do I just stick it to the man and go back to no, public? No. No, no. I got to no, go back no. to public, man. I I can't. Dude, dude, number one, follow your gut, okay? But I'm going to tell you and all all the listeners right now. My gut tells me not to because I, it's it's too phony. It's too phony because if I was to buy something, it would be 50 or 60 acres, and I'd be too scared to hunt it because it's so small, and I couldn't ever get in there. And I got these public, this public land, man. And, you know, I've had six booners on a camera in one season. Yeah, I've Who's, seen the pics, how man. Many people, how, the many, pics. how many people hunting huge managed farms let's say 500 acres which is a big farm that hardly anybody could afford very few listeners probably how many people have had that in a season very few are you starting to see the advantages yeah so you you take that money buy trail cameras you buy gear you, you get a plan going okay i may lose one camera i may lose two cameras so i got extra money for new ones or I can buy this new Sicky Gear, First Light, or Kuyi. There's just public land has its disadvantages, but I would argue that it has more advantages than it does disadvantages. For sure. So you've been talking a lot about these Exodus trail cameras. Whoop, whoop. I'm not biased. So, <laughs> so, uh, so I want to cover those, man. Uh, the pictures that you, we, me and Homie, were scrolling through some of the trail cam pictures that you sent me. And them Exodus are clean, dude. You can just tell by the like the different you know trail cameras that you're sending me. I'm like, dude, this pick is nice. Well, I will put my Exodus, okay, my two hundred and twenty nine dollar lift, which is is kind of expensive. I understand that, but let me break it down for you. 
I will put it up because I've done it in my backyard, and I do have one Reconyx camera that I won from the Lindsay Way. I will put it up right beside that Reconyx camera, and on the other side of it, I will put that Mac Daddy Stealth Camera, whatever it is, DSK, 30 megapixel, yada, yada, yada. Great camera. Don't get me wrong. Great camera. I will put that list, 12 megapixel camera, right beside it, and I will bet that it takes just as good a picture, if not better, than the 30 megapixel stealth camera, and probably better than the Reconyx. All I know is it looked really legit. Yeah, that buck hitting the scrape, dude. Yeah, middle of the day. That was some epic pics, dude. I was like, dude, I can see this deer's nose not hair, man. <laughs> this man, that's um, that's what direct consumer products get you. That's what, and and I just want to throw this out there. I don't get Exodus doesn't do a big pro. They don't do any kind of pro staff. Um, I don't get any huge deals off by saying this i don't normally push products but i'm telling you after over a decade of running trail cameras i have found one camera and one company and i mean this man-to-man listener to listener viewer to viewer that is worth talking about that is worth pushing it is it is exodus has forever in my eyes changed the industry and they have set the bars in fact that when they come about that I'm almost positive that Reconyx had to make their cameras a five-year warranty because Exodus was the only one on the market when they come out that had it. So Reconyx decided to match it. That's a no BS warranty, right? No BS. Sasquatch could not get some some of a buck off the limb, you know, and they're gonna they're gonna fix it. Them damn ants is what I got problems. Oh yeah, the ants are vicious. Hey. You told me that the other day, and it was really weird because I've had ants kill my cameras. And I don't know, I don't, I don't know if it's a coincidence or what, but I have one camera out on a private farm. It's my stepdad's that I use for my kids. <clears throat> Loaded with ants, thousands. I pulled up to it. And it was on a on a stick and tick in the field, and I look at it. I go to get a few feet away from it, and it's just thousands of ants to to the point where I don't even open it. I just grab it and start shaking it around, throw it in the back of my truck, and drive off with it on. Open it up, dude, ants infested. What do I do when I open it up? It's still taking pictures. And right now, it's in the it's not out, but it's in the bed of my hunting truck, and it works fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I uh, I had a, a mobile cam, and ants got to it, and I got about a thousand pics. Of nothing. I'm like, what is going on? And it was ants crawling across the sensor, dude. I'd have like a little black spot on the pick here, a little black spot here on the next one. I'm like, damn. Go out there, just smoked with ants. And then it finally just stopped taking pictures. So I was like, I got to go check this thing out, you know. And Man. Done. And then, well, oh, and then the warranty. Go ahead. The warranty. Garbage. Oh yeah, that was brutal. That was last year, right? Yeah. It was, what kind I, of camera was oh, it? Oh, I can't say. I can't say. Was it a military? Yes, yeah. you can. I can't say, yeah. but the the warranty was. I was lit. I was lit, and then I had another thing. Well, I bought a trail camera, so you you know you buy them you buy them on sale. You know, Christmas time, deer season's done. Everybody's lowering their prices. You know, so I buy a trail camera off the shelf, let it. I don't even open the thing. I put it in the gun cabinet, 
here comes season. Turn it on. Don't work. I'm like, all right. Not, that's that's typical. I'm like, all right, you know, six-month warranty. I'm like, six-month warranty, man. It's October. I bought this thing in December. This is the first time I turned it on. Nothing we can do. We can send you a 10% discount code. I'm like, what? You kidding me, man? You know? Yeah, how about so, this yeah. size 10 goes up your way? The sun <laughs> yeah. don't shine. Right? So the, huh? the five-year warranty, I mean, that's that sells it right there, you know, and it's huge with with theft coverage, with theft and damage coverage. They're the only camera on the market that has it. Damn. Oh wow! Yeah, that's good. And See, that and that is good. This is that is good. I'm pretty sure. Okay, now like I say, I'm not pro staff. I don't work for Exodus. One camera, you know, one unit per year. So if you bought a camera and it breaks or somebody steals it, they'll sell you one per year for every camera you bought. That's that's which, good though, man. I mean, yeah. you know, you you buy their Trek, which is one hundred and forty five dollars. You know, roughly sixty five dollars later, if you have one stolen, you got you a brand new camera. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, I mean that's who good. does that? Yeah, not very many of them. I've worked no, with two of them, doesn't. and their warranty is <laughs> garbage. Homie knows how. F- There's nothing worse than going out a tra- out to a trail camera that's soaked for a month and it isn't working. That's like, oh man! That's like, that's like, that's like have a Sasquatch moment and smash it right there. Yeah, you're Say like a few words that you, know, you don't. <laughs> you know, that's just that's just. I don't even know. It, um, well, to my knowledge, that's why Exodus started because the guys that started it's a very small business, only a few people own it. Um, they were having the same issues that you're having that I had. And they just got tired of it, and they said, you know, we got to do something about this, you know, and I, here's what we can do. Now, what can we do about it? And they kind of come up with a plan, and they come up with this with this camera, this, you know, this lift and this track that are five-year no BS warranty that is seriously, you know, you buy a $229 camera that is, you know, comparable, if not better, in my opinion, than the $500 Reconyx. Or you buy their hundred and forty five dollar trek, same same shell, a lot of the same components as the lift, five year warranty that performs like your three hundred dollar Spartan cameras or you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get what you're saying, yeah. It's um I'm a I ain't gonna say I'm a walking book of knowledge on their cameras, but I kinda am and I only say that because when I had a cup a bunch of cameras smashed. This is how me and Exodus begun. I had a bunch of cameras smashed two years ago. When I say a bunch, like 10. So that kind of brought my trail cameras low. And my thing was I had uh, Browning. Uh, I had every kind of camera that you could think of. I had several of them, you know, over 30 of them, fixed batch. Well, I decided I wanted one good camera. And I'm just going to throw this out there. I am biased towards Exodus, but there are great cameras on the market. Browning's great cameras. I've had decent decent luck with Bushnell, um, and I've had great luck with Stealth cameras. They're newer models. I have, but I was I put a post on back when I had Facebook. I put a post on Facebook. I was like, "Hey, can somebody uh, you know contact me in with Stealth camera? I'm looking to buy like a bunch. I was wanting to buy like 50. So I was one, I was looking for a deal." And I was thinking, 50 cameras, I can get a deal. 
and I threw kind of threw some pro staff out because you know I, I would love to be part of a pro staff of, of, of a camera company because I love to run cameras. And uh, one of the co-owners seen it and he just kind of shot me a message. I didn't even know he was up. I was the owner actually. He's like, "Hey man, um, this is who I am. This is what I do. You know, uh, what do you think about this camera?" And I was like, "Man, what you say sounds legit, but." Uh, or sounds good, but it doesn't sound true. And, you know, what doesn't sound, you know, something normally doesn't sound true, you normally walk away from it because it's not true. And he actually told me, you know, he was like, how about we just send you one and you use it, and if you like it, you paid me for it. And, you know, and if you don't like it, just send it, you know, just send it back. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, but we got this new Lift 2 coming out. He said, wait till it comes out. And, uh, and we'll get you one. Well, I waited and waited, and I seen the pre-orders coming up. I thought, you know what? I'm not waiting for this. You know, I don't need a handout. I pre-ordered one. It come in. The first day it come in, I took it beside my baddest stealth camera. I took it in beside my Reconics camera in my backyard. And I just did a bunch of hillbilly tests walking around the yard. And, dude, the, the Exodus was killing it. And... I was just like, wow. So I went right back in and ordered like five more. <laughs> just like Johnny on the spot. And then I really dug down, man, and I started like reading like, you know, how, digging into how their cameras worked and what made them better than than other people's and how they got away from like the traditional clamshell design, which is like uh, basically a three-part camera. You open it up, your batteries are right there. You know, kind of like a bush nail. Um, that those can't type of cameras hold a lot of water, and that's the number one killer of cameras. And you now, if a camera if a camera has a one year warranty or a two year warranty, that's about all they're going to last because that's I mean that's the components they're putting in there because they know shortly after. And it, it's not all cases. I've had some cameras that's lasted a long time, but in, in cases shortly after the warranty's out, the camera's done, and you got to buy another one. That's just not the case with Exodus. You know, they've took the, the retail out of the market, you know, the 40% markup, and they've put it back into the camera, and they've just seriously built one of the top cameras in the industry. I mean, like, second to none. I mean, just how they've, uh, just how they've messed with them. It's just blows my mind how, how depth, in depth they went with them. Well, from the pictures I've seen, yeah, everything you just said right there is is spot on, man. Some really clear pictures. Yeah, I mean that buck was mid scrape with his head up in the trees, and and it's just an absolute clear picture. And but you know when we were talking earlier, and and you said that five year no BS warranty, that's something I didn't know. But that's major to me. I mean, that's huge theft. That's that should be huge to anybody. You know, if I you're mean, running trail cameras and you're listening to this. And, you, and you're only getting a year or two out of your warranty, you can do better than that for a cheaper price Yeah, one, or, or I mean, the same price. I mean, even even if you buy the Lyft 2 and it's a little more expensive, you got five years. you got to think, how many $100 cameras are you going to run through? i got a $100 camera that's in my truck right now that's going to be a dummy camera because it doesn't work. It's going to be well, a what ha- Yeah, and what happens is somebody buys – Somebody will buy a cheap camera. Like, I, I see this a lot. Like, we bought this Tasco camera for $25 at Walmart on sale. 
and the dang thing misses everything. They just don't know it. Yeah. It takes horrible pictures, and it doesn't even last the season. So in five years, instead of spending $145, which you can get the trek for, you done spent $600 on 10 cameras that didn't last, and you lost all that intel. Yeah. I'm definitely you gonna know, check out the yeah, Exodus. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be looking it's, into it. Like I said, you buy the best gear you can afford and you stick with it. 145 dollars. That's not gonna break, you know, most people. And if that's expensive to you, then buddy, you just need to save up and buy one. Yeah, why? You know, don't, why have? Don't, why have? Don't buy the 80 dollar camera from Academy or or wherever you may buy it. You save up and buy a little better camera with with a company that has got your back and that should be with anything with with a vehicle you drive with a with a new house that you buy anything in life you just you got to be smart about your purchases yeah well i have four junk cameras that are going to miss pics when you can have one solid camera that you know you're going to get high quality pics to know what the deer actually is and it's not going to miss anything that's what i'm thinking you know you're spending you're spending 75 bucks on a you know a cheap camera you're spending 140 on a good camera you know run run two good cameras and not four crap cameras you know or or buy a couple good cameras and then buy a couple crap cameras just you know i mean so right and and like my buddy i love him to death I mean, his name's steven i'm sure he'll listen to this he buys a bunch of different cameras and he's big on browning and browning's great cameras don't get me wrong i've had great luck with him he has great luck with him but he's got this missed mixed batch of cameras and he doesn't own an exodus and, and he doesn't have one camera the one camera company that's got his back after a year or two yeah. and the the main the main thing that kills a camera okay the main thing that kills a camera i i did my research on this when i went to buy a bunch of cameras because i wanted to know i'm gonna drop you know thousands of dollars on these cameras i, I want to know you know what i'm getting is they put like a uh conformal coating on the inside of electronics and basically what that is it's a process and it, it is made for extreme environments and like um, moisture to to um, to kind of like losing my thought process here but to like protect like circuit boards does that, so does that make sense yeah yeah, from extreme so, heat and extreme and, cold. Yeah, no, water. 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 Yeah, well, and, and extreme heat and extreme cold, but mainly water. Water's the main thing that kills the camera. Water gets inside the camera, it gets inside the components, and it's dead. Well, they they treat it with a conformal coating that is made to to withstand it. And, and Exodus, you know, I found out through research that has done, you know pull water tanks where they put the camera under water for 10 seconds at a time, pulled it out, and the camera's running out of it, and then the camera's still working on the tree today. Nice. Yeah, I'm definitely pumped to try out an Exodus. I got, we got to get one, try it out. Yeah, I, I like like your buddy there, you know, he's he's running Browning. I've got a couple Brownings, um, and, I, and I thought they were really good. You know, I, and they are, and they are, they are. Don't let me take away from that. Yeah, yeah. And you know, they're a hundred twenty dollar camera, and I bought both of them on sale for a hundred bucks. And uh, you know, I thought they were taking really good pics until I seen this pic from from that you sent Cody with the Exodus. And man, yeah, and then you get a five year warranty for and then forty a five, bucks. Yeah, dude. I mean, 
for forty more dollars, not <laughs> right. on sale. And theft, theft and damage. And theft coverage. and That's, damage. Yeah. I mean, and let me and let me tell you something, okay? But uh, this is kind of on this little off subject, but um, as soon as I got to Exodus, man, I, I really didn't know that I had something special and that I had something designed by uh, a hunter. They put a lot of thought into it because um, I've tried everything. A camera to a tree, you know, bear boxes, Python cables, and I've come up with me personally the best bet for me is a Python cable because if they want the camera, they're going to hear what you get, how you got to pass into the tree. They'll get that may destroy it. They're safe. You know, you just lost thirty or forty more dollars. Well. You know how on your bunnies, how the Python cable can go through the door and through the camera? And yeah. And brownings, the back of the camera is metal, correct? Yeah. Okay. Well, on the exit, there's nobody, I've never heard anybody talk about this. This is huge to me. When somebody steals my camera on public ground, they normally, because they, they got a Python cable and they got a mini padlock. They normally just break the tabs off the back of the tree, okay, and take the camera. That's it. So they, it's theirs. Well, X is on the back. You can stick the Python cable through the top of the camera and the bottom. So when they break this thing, they literally destroy the back of the camera. I see. Yeah, so you're running you get, through you the get whole. You what I'm saying? Yeah, you're running I'm through running. the whole back. So when they rip it off, Twice. they're not, yeah. Twice. They're, they're not tearing it up. They're not just pull, twisting it and breaking the top tabs off. They're breaking the top tabs and breaking the bottom tabs, which is something they've never done. I've never had that done with Exodus. And another thing that got me away from Brownings, and they, and they may have changed, but when I was running them, I forgot which strike force I was running. Does, homie, does yours take uh, password protected? No, no. That That is an absolute must. Because when they steal that camera, now they can use it. Buy a camera with a password. That way, when they get it, either A, they just got a major parade rained on them because they went through all this work to steal this camera, and now it's got a password. So either A, they got to throw it away, B, they put it on their desk and use it as an expensive paperweight and think about all the bad things they've done and how they'll probably never shoot a deer again. <laughs> karma, man. That deer karma gets you. So that's just another tip, man. Don't buy don't buy any camera that doesn't take a password. Because if they steal it, they can use it. If it's got a password and and you enable it, which you should, private or public, then they can't use it. For sure, you know, man. That, man, we're... that makes them think twice about stealing them because they see them and they think, oh, well, I can't use that one. Yeah, so why steal the next one, right? Yep. Yeah, for sure. Well, we're an hour and ten minutes in this, and we haven't even cracked a seal with you, man. We're gonna have to have you back on again sometime. I know. Yeah, a I lot kind of feel like we've just kind of, uh, kind of chatted around a little bit, but I hope y'all picked up a little bit from it. Oh yeah, I picked um, up a ton, dude. There's a lot of. We good never ones. really got to dive into Deer Lab, and yeah, I know. We'll we'll uh, we'll get to that on a different episode, man. We'll we gotta we gotta get to that. So yeah, you uh. You know, you know, just before I let you go, or y'all let me go. You know, most people they get a, they get a picture of a big buck, and that and that's about the end of it. They get a picture of a big buck that they either lose it or it ends up in who knows, no, you know, nowhere. It ends up nowhere. Or some people may dive in and they may pull up the weather from that day. But with Deer Lab, you 
put that in there. It's an internet cloud. It's cheap. It's very affordable. Very, very affordable. And in instant access to everything, moon phase, wind speed, interaction, heat maps, and full, fully blown out portfolio of deer all organized to the max. They literally, I ain't going to say it's cheating, but it uh it takes a lot of guessing work out of it. Yeah, we're gonna we're we're gonna have you back on, man. If you're come back on, I want to have a a full episode over Deer Lab and some of the some of the stuff that you've talked about. And hell, we didn't even touch our show notes, man. <laughs> so <laughs> so we gotta have you back on. You don't have a choice. You just gotta come back on. So oh yeah, like I said, man. You know this this time of year rolls around right around July, man. The the it's like the the temperature, man. It gets hot, but it's like you. The blood inside you starts boiling too because yeah. you know just right right around the corner man the deer shaping up you can tell who they are who's going to be what what deer was from the previous year man it's just it's time of year to get fired up it is man we're getting fired up here in the midwest we're getting some decent trail cam picks already and we're excited we got some giants to chase here so we're just waiting to get them on trail cam and i got a couple just soaking right now ready to pull hoping to get hoping to get that big boy on them but we can't thank you enough yeah. for coming on, man. This has been a super informal episode of Trail Camps, and there couldn't be a better time of the year to put this out. So I would really like if you can do it to, to schedule you again here soon to talk about Deer Lab and stuff when people are really yeah. starting to get those trail cams out. Maybe maybe in the next month or so we can have you back on and, and uh, yeah. hit you again. And man, yeah, and you don't, you don't need 60, 70, 30 trail cameras to do it, man. If you... If you do it right and you sit down and you look at a map and you come up with a plan and you got ten cameras or eight cameras, and you can you can be pretty efficient with that. And, you know, obviously not as the more you have, I'm gonna say not necessarily the more you have the better, but the more you have and the smarter you run them, the better. Um, but you don't need a bunch of cameras to 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 pattern deer, and so I leave it at that, man. All right, we can't thank you enough, dude. This has been awesome. So, awesome, man. Well, we, we barely, we barely cracked your knowledge, your uh, <laughs> your limits of your knowledge, man. I, we could do like a know, six hour podcast with you. <laughs> so. You know how my buddy told me I was the two three three man. We yeah. were about to roll on number four. We was about to really get it rolling. <laughs> oh man! All right, man. Just to our listeners, we appreciate you guys so much. We love you. Keep hitting that play button. White tail legacy. All right, out. buddy. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss life on the water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment. the most legendary shows in the outdoors is on waypoint tv don't miss primo's truth about hunting wednesday nights at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment a life that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western a mule there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv